Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Whew, well, uh, oh man, I'm tired. Hey everybody, it's Jack. It's Allison. Whew, welcome to Script Shop. Well, so here we are. This is uh, this is episode 101. Oh yes, I see. And uh, I can't believe we're here. <sighs> after, oh uh, man. After how wild that 100th show was. Oof, man, from episode last week. 100 just totally wore me out. How did we not take like a, a week off in between after ever? I mean, there were we like... Can. We're committed to the craft, there the were, art of podcasting. Frank booked zoo animals to run. Remember that tiger that was running around? I just can't remember anything. I was so drunk. <laughs> well, see, that's going to be a problem. You know, I didn't want to bring that up here one week afterward, but you, that's, you know, I think you made some really bad decisions on our 100th episode, given your current marital situation and, and being in the family way and everything. The family way. You made, some, you made some questionable decisions that have me rethinking a lot. Of our friendship. Well, yeah. It's just, I actually I said to Philip, well, Philip, I haven't had anything to drink in the last six weeks. And he was like, good for you, Allison. I was like, I know. What was your, Frank, Frank's here with us on the show, which is a a nice thing, especially coming off of all the wildness with you, Frank, you came in on that, crazy son of a bitch, you came in on that parachute thing with the, with the, the colored smoke coming out of your shoes and like the pressure was so much, it like knocked your feet up and you're, you were kind of coming in rear first as you flew down with the parachute. How how are you doing Mm -hmm. after all that stuff? It's just what I do every day. <laughs> That's a typical. <laughs> Another typical day in show. the life of Frank. <laughs> Sheesh! And you—I don't know how you were able to book those zoo animals. That was nuts too. Mm-hmm. You like them? Yeah, it was Which great. Which one was your favorite? Well, I, I mean, I'm scared of the tiger, but the the gorilla was neat. Mm-hmm. And we were able, we almost, we came this close to being able to settle the longstanding bet that I've got with some friends as to whether a gorilla or a polar bear would win in a fight. We came, mm, oh, we were so, so close. close. If it just wasn't for the ducks. I know. Yeah. They ruined it. I know. Allison, what was your favorite part from Big Show 100 that we just did last week? I think it was the slip and slide, actually. Okay. Yeah, that well, was... The, that Frank came in and landed on from the parachute. Yeah, it was like incredible just watching him just casually skate down the slip and slide of ice cream. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, what was your favorite part more? Did you like the slipping or the sliding more? Hmm, let's see. Between the two of them, it was probably... It starts with the slip, it goes into the slide. It's You know what? It's a little bit of both. Okay. I guess that's why it's called the slip and slide. I'm a bigger... I'm, a, I'm more of a slip guy myself. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Slip and then slide. It's funnier to watch people slip than to watch people slide. (laughs) That's the truth. Yes, truly. (laughs) Well, folks, anyway, thank you for uh, being with us after that insanity from last week. I don't know how we're going to possibly top it with with this week's show, but you know what? We've got a very cool, unique script. I don't think we've read anything quite like Mm -mm, this in a long time. It reminds me a little bit of the Caitlin Harbert story we did Mm -hmm. a long, long time in the go go in the beginning because I have written that it's a 12-page Silent film question mark potentially mm-hmm. experimental esque fever dream screenplay. It's called Crippled and it's yeah. by Zach Seidman mm-hmm. and uh, he sent this into us. Yeah, it is. There's a there's a bit of an experimental element to it. Uh, I think it could be a very visually arresting thing. Yeah. if it were to be uh, produced, and I'm excited to talk to him about it. There's a it's it's very visually uh, metaphorical and heavy with, with with messaging, and I'm curious to talk about how this was sort of created and what sort of story that he's looking to tell because it gets very 
it's very overwhelming at some point. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'm excited about getting into it as well. Listeners, if you're tuning into the show and you're also just, you know, looking for a respite from episode 100, don't forget to check us out online at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're Script Shop Show because, of course, this is Script Shop, the show where we talk to screenwriters about mm-hmm. the screenplays they've written. Thank you for taking over the intro <laughs> stuff here. I'm just, I'm just, you're, beat. just you're just like lost. We probably made a bad decision by doing recording episode 101 right after, after we got <laughs> done taping episode 100. That was probably an ill advised decision. I'm still waiting for you to put all your clothes on, honestly. I know. It's hot in here. <laughs> I don't want to. It's hot. So we're talking to screenwriters about the stories that they love and why they're sharing them with the world. And if you'd like to share your stories, go to scriptshopshow.com slash submit. Yes, please. those puppies into us. Send us your work, whether you've uh, written a, a feature, whether you've written a short, whether you've written uh, something that's maybe a little bit more experimental like we have from Zach today. Uh, send us your work. We'd love to read it. And if you include the phrase that pays, the uh, special hashtag... That- pool of hot burritos was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. I had to pull a lot of strings to get that giant that was incredible. tub full of burritos. That cheese? I know. It was melting everywhere. I know. If oh, I wasn't in a in a spacesuit already, that thing would not have been pleasant. It was it was uh that took a lot of string pulling. I'm very proud of that. I don't know. Fiona Fiona ate mine, so Oh man. Yeah, but who how many people can say that? That, that Fiona, Fiona the hippo stole your hot, hot burrito. burrito. Yeah. <laughs> Things we will never forget, never. This is going really well. We should probably bring Zach. Uh, we should probably bring Zach into the conversation here and have him have him join us. Hi, uh, Zach Seidman. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Uh, thanks for inviting me uh, after the party. I guess. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, sorry, man. You're here sort of as the dust is just barely starting to settle. It's mm. uh, woo. It's riveting. It truly is. Man alive. I don't know what, I, I mean, listen, man, no pressure or anything, but here we go. This, it's time to talk about you now. <laughs> uh, so, hey, where, where are you calling us from? Uh, I'm currently living in Baltimore, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, in Charles Village, if you know anything about Baltimore. Okay, but uh, you're, yeah. you're currently meaning like maybe you're not always from there? Well, I, I've been in Maryland most of my life, but I'm trying to transition to L.A. at some point. Mm-hmm. So I've been actually going back and forth there a couple times this year. And, uh, yeah, I was there actually like a month or two ago working on a music video with my friend. And, yeah, just working some odd gut gigs. Uh, my friend runs this, like, YouTube wrestling show, so I was helping cool. them out. That sounds that. great. That's cool. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. yeah. Were, you, were you shooting the music video for the YouTube wrestling show? No, unfortunately, no. It's for another band called uh, Mint Trip, actually. Mint Trip. What was the What was the video like? Uh, well, they sh- it, it was fun, but it was a lot of work. I got roped into doing like props and stuff, and I don't really do props that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, it, it was definitely a good learning experience for me. But yeah, they had like this pretty cool house that they managed to get that looks like it should be in a museum almost. Just like everywhere you go, there's expensive artifacts. Oh, and, boy. Know, How did they get it for shooting a music video then? <laughs> it worked well. But yeah, obviously, like with C stands and stuff, it's always a little like, all right, I gotta be like super careful not to break anything. The priceless <laughs> yeah, no porcelain kidding. egg on a pedestal <laughs> in the center of the room, surrounded yeah. by the diamonds. Yeah, maybe move that out of the way. There were a lot of weird like I'm trying to 
think how to describe all the artifacts in there, but it, it we had like a joke, me and uh, a couple of my friends that like all the objects in there were like the lost souls of the people who previously went, who like maybe broke an artifact and then they had to replace them. Oh, Ooh, cool. Do you know what this sounds like? Is Kent Malloy's Into the Sunset script. Oh, sure. Remember the little devil guy who collects all the possessions? Yeah, that's right. Yes. That's exactly right. This this would make a great story. You should write this story, Zach. <laughs> I think me and my friend will who actually is the basis of crippled we're talking about something similar a while ago oh nice so maybe we'll see so are you you're looking to uh, get into the film industry as more of a full-time gig yeah definitely uh i'm a videographer by trade but i do film stuff as well uh corporate kind of pays the bills right now because i'm not in the union uh and also, I, I my goal is to be like a writer director, which is obviously a lit, little bit harder to break in that way. Uh, you can go like the unionized route of like getting your PA hours, and uh, I that I found like I feel like that trains you more to be a first AD, uh, which you know I don't mind being an AD, but it's not exactly what I wanted. I feel like directing's fun and first ADing is like maybe the most stressful gig on set. So I'm kind of just, you know, I, I, I like more the lighting aspect of things, the shooting aspect of things, and then using that ideally to help fund like my own film projects mm -hmm. uh, for the time being. It sounds like you're really developing your place within the whole production world that there's a lot of different things you're kind of doing a lot of different things and through it you're trying to build this portfolio of where you're actually going to exist within this world exactly so yeah and it, it's definitely you know especially doing experimental like shorts which is a lot of what we've been submitting to film festivals and stuff it's good like word of mouth but it's it's also kind of like hard to sell experimental stuff sometimes <laughs> So I, I think this one we're trying to like, you know, uh, like we'll, we have other ideas, but this is kind of what we're hoping to be like our calling card of sorts, I guess. Like the thing we're definitely have been working the most towards for any of our films so far. So crippled here. This is the one. This is your big sort of we're going to do this one. and We really want to do it right. Exactly. Yeah. Um. You know, you were. I just kind of want to take it back for a second because you were talking about transitioning from um, where you live now currently to LA, and of course, a lot of people just like up and move. And so, I'm curious, what's keeping you on <laughs> uh, the East Coast? That's you know keeping you from just being like, peace out, mom and dad. Thanks for the basement room. I'm striking out on my own. Right. So honestly, a good part of it uh, is just trying to get funds for this film. Uh, one of the things, our lead actor, he's my best friend. He's been, like, the lead actor of most of our projects in the past. Uh, he is actually disabled, uh, and it's a lot harder for him to get, like, on a plane. And he needs to do a lot of planning in order to make that happen. So part of it is just that, you know, I still want to try to figure out getting, like, a week where we shoot in L.A., but we're going to need to shoot 
more of it in Maryland. It does yeah. look like. So and this project is, specifically crippled is the one that's keeping you here in L.A. I mean, not yeah, here in L.A., here in the uh, northeast, the east coast. Yeah, I would say that's mm-hmm. the main. So let's talk about the story that it's it's immediately pressing. It's part of your life right yeah. now. You know, you're inspired by your lead actor. You're inspired by your community here to do this project where you live. Mm-hmm. Just tell where did this idea come from for you? So again, uh, really, it's through my friendship with Will. You know, he I I typically am the one who's like physically writing the scripts, but every idea we've had that we've worked together, I usually go through him and kind of figure out ideas and stuff. And he's just a very creative person. Uh, I, I, we had like a thing, uh, I mentioned a few years back that he's kind of like a Salvador Dali reincarnated. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> a super out there, like Eraserhead's his favorite movie ever. Um, but just kind of besides that, seeing what he's had to go through living with uh, MD uh, type 2 and what it's like with his nursing staff and his health staff and how like whenever he has a really good caretaker, they usually get promoted to higher positions because uh, they want to keep him on board. And then, you know, a lot of times he's left off with a caretaker that's less than ideal uh you know he needs someone essentially around the clock so he can only be so picky and it you know it's not like the greatest job in the world either so you kind of have to take what you can get so i i want to get a couple of um just kind of facts on his condition, et cetera. When you said MD type two, is that myotonic dystrophy type two? Muscular dystrophy. Muscular. Okay, great. I mean, not obviously not great. I'm just glad I understand. And for people who are listening that may not understand this disease, would you mind talking about it a little bit? Um, I can talk about it a little. Obviously, I I can't talk as much as he and others can. But sure. Essentially, he was born uh, needing to be in a wheelchair, uh, and the nature of the disease is that your body deteriorates over time, so it's hard to, like, really build up strength. Uh, Essentially, you go to, like, the gym or therapy or what have you to make sure you are able to have function and maintain function, and it's one of those things where... I know like when he was diagnosed with this, when he was really young, the doctors told his parents like he's probably not going to live to be like four years old. And now he's like, I I believe 29, about to be 30. He's like doing therapy himself, like counseling. Uh, So he's also just like a good active member of the caretaking community mm-hmm. as well. So I, I know like that's a lot of what he wants other than obviously giving him a voice and talking about something that doesn't get talked about a lot. Uh, but also he wants to do it from like a therapeutic standpoint. Um, 
Well, and yeah. so and 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 this script crippled then is it, it's got to be. I I I think I remember seeing on the title page that you have adapted it into this screenplay from the story that he wrote, and the screenplay is extreme. It's got to be extremely personal for him then, because I mean, you're talking about there. There's some very strong themes of being trapped right. and betrayal and neglect and, and then the whole nursing thing too there's yeah. a, there's the well that's neglect yeah you know, a neglectful caretaker this i mean this is yeah there there's some very uh what could be considered awfully you know, dark themes in this script yeah for sure and uh oh, sorry if you're getting a little bit they're of coming fire. to get you zach <laughs> watch out hide hide it's the fuzz uh, um sorry what were you saying oh yeah um yeah, no, it's definitely, obviously, it's a bit exaggerated, especially some of the more experimental things in it. But a lot of it is based off of his relationships with his caretakers. And uh, mm-hmm. the actor we've had now who's going to play his caretaker, like, we've done some acting rehearsals with him where he was, like, trying to be as, like, emotionally distant as he could be. And we're like, yeah, you're actually kind of, Nailing it. Nailing it or, like, going less than you could be. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, you're not going far oh, enough. Oh, that's scary. I mean, not, not that a lot of them have, like, phys- it's that whole, like, emotional abuse versus physical abuse. Yeah. Like, obviously, they're not, like, going and, like, you know, girl from misery, like, smashing his leg with a hammer. Right. But yeah, it's a lot of these people, you know, they're working like their third job or whatever. And so I, I, I can see it from their point of view almost. But at the same time, uh, it, it sucks because, you know, it to them, it's like they're working like a movie theater job or I don't know, just any job where you're trying to be complacent and like just get through the day yeah. and maybe, oh, your boss says something, but you don't hear, you're, you pretend you don't hear them. So they do that, some of them. And then this is like his life. So it, it he, you know, he's able to do a few things on his own, but he, he needs someone to help him out. And so them being complacent essentially takes away his freedom to a certain degree. What What's it like for you in terms of maybe feelings of, responsibility and, and friendship toward this person that you've known for as long as you have to take this story that he's created and then adapt it into this thing that you guys are going to create together. I mean, that's is the, the burden's just as much on you to try to help convey his story as it was on him to put it out there in the first place. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. It definitely can be a bit overwhelming at times. Uh, that's, you know, especially I'm the one kind of organizing everything and figuring out like who's, on the cast, what are the days we're going to shoot? And, you know, I, I definitely have like the few people that are on my team right now are doing amazing work. Uh, but yeah, it definitely, it, it, it feels a lot more important than certainly I would say like anything we've worked on before. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's, uh, it's intense to say the least. <laughs> um, 
Let's go ahead and read a piece of this screenplay on the show so that listeners can get a little bit of yeah. the world that we're playing in. Get them a taste because we, we sort of picked apart where everything, because you talked about the in, in influences like Eraserhead and, and David Lynch and the idea of this is a bit more of an experimental film and the story that you're telling. And I think the section that we picked when everything first starts to get weird uh, is a good way to maybe give people a taste of things because I've got a lot of questions about this bird guy. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so listeners, if you're tuning in, we're going to start on the top of page four, leading into page five, re- reading scenes 15 through 19. We've got Mr. Crumley here, you know, coming back from a crazy Oof. 10 minutes ago. I'm missing a shoe still. Maybe. <laughs> He's going to be taking you through this experience by reading what's written in the script. And remember, I did describe this as a silent movie question mark type of <laughs> um, screenplay. So you'll see a little bit how specific these action headings are and how they add to the story being told here. Zach, as far as where we add up to this point, uh, we've got the main character, Will, who's uh, with his mom. Mom has to leave for the night, and a nurse has been brought in to sort of take care of him and make sure he gets to bed in a safe way and make him dinner and stuff. And the nurse is just, he's just a jerk, for lack of a better word. He, he's dropping food on the floor and tossing it in front of him anyway, ignoring him when he needs. He's being really rough with him when it comes to cleaning him. And this guy just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, where we're picking it up from now, it's uh, it's it's time for Will to go into bed, and this is when uh, things really start to take a turn. Uh, hang on just a minute, okay, Zach? Okay. Okay. Uh, all right, we all ready? Are you ready, though? That's the question. Well, are, are all y'all ready to, to hear this? Where I Gosh, you know, I don't know how anything can top what we've been through lately, so. Well, hold on. I'm gonna... Take a little sip. A cup of coffee. Out of all your right. world's okayest dad mug. Something like that. So good. All right, here we go. You ready? Mm-hmm. This is scene 15, top of page 4. Interior, bedroom, night. Will is slowly lowered onto his bed from a Hoyer lift. The nurse bends over Will like a mad scientist. The nurse stands up, and Will is now wearing a breathing mask. The nurse turns off the light before exiting the room. Will stares up at the ceiling, contemplating and breathing deeply, before finally drifting off to sleep. As Will's body relaxes, we see his back lower onto his breathing tube, constricting the air. Will chokes. He wakes, gasping, attempting to call his nurse. Interior, living room, night. The nurse is hypnotized by the television, food dripping from his mouth. He turns to the door at the sound of Will's muffled noises. There's a beat, and he shrugs and turns back to his show, shoving spoonful after spoonful of slop into his mouth. Interior, bedroom, night. Will is slowly losing consciousness. In a flash of lightning, a shadow begins to drift over Will. The creature, a dark figure with a bird-like face wearing a black robe, appears from the darkness. He drifts to Will and looms over his body like a ghost. Will rocks his head back and forth, struggling for air. Finally, with one large jolt, the breathing mask comes off his nose. Will breathes in violently, slowly recovering. The creature cocks his head at this. As Will's breath returns to normal, he looks down in confusion as his hand slowly becomes enveloped in a dark black goo. The bed has become a pool of water, and slowly, Will is lowered into its depths. From the water, we see Will's face submerge. The creature watches as his head disappeared, and bubbles start rising from the water's surface. The bubbles dissipate after a moment, and the breathing mask floats to the top. Interior, pool. Will falls through the dark pool, hair floating and billowing around him. Interior, void. Will lands in his chair at the bottom of the blackened pit with a thud. 
Will looks for any means of escape, but darkness is all he can see. He begins to drive, searching for a way out. And scene. That's when Will. That's when that that is the beginning of when everything just goes completely wild for yeah. Will falling into this void. There's this weird bird creature. He goes on to meet an evil version of himself. Will does. I love that part where it's like bad Will. Evil Will. Yeah. Yeah. He shows up. He starts like it's 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 you know it's got this dream fever element to yeah. it where it's like what is real, what is inside <clears throat> his mind, what's the trapped pieces here. Ooh. Zach, what? <laughs> how much how much of this screenplay that we've read and that we have here posted on scriptshopshow.com is closely tied to the story that Will told? Um, it's it's hard to say really. It's uh, a lot of the script in general was just talking to him and shooting ideas back and forth. So, you know, it's one of those things where I just took note of things in a notebook and then I I went through it and kind of physically like put the structure together. I'm definitely more of like a structure kind of guy. Okay. Uh, and yeah, but we, we both like really out there weird experimental things. And the, the important thing I think we both wanted to capture, but something I latched on is like the whole idea of the anxiety and depression will would have in this situation and kind of encapsulating that in like the dream world. And, uh, Will actually introduced me to like Carl Jung and the idea of the shadow person. If you know mm-hmm. anything about that, sure. Do you want to? Uh, could you explain it though? Because I don't know tons about it, and maybe there's listeners out there who don't mm. know tons either. Right. Okay. So essentially, the shadow self is like the subconscious negative version of yourself. Uh, Will could definitely explain it a lot better than I could, but essentially it's this idea that it's like, if you have like the yin and yang, it's like that aspect. And I I know with Carl Jung, one of the things he said is that the more you fight that shadow or like opposite self, the more likely it is to kind of overwhelm and take you over. Oh, wow. A lot of like religious people have problems with that is what he said back in the day uh and like just like repressing their inner like desires or negative forces Mm -hmm. and the best way to kind of deal with that is to kind of accept your flaws in a way and accept them and once you accept them you're kind of able to move on and carry forward Mm mm-hmm yeah, so yeah. The, the Will character in the script meets the evil version of himself, and then through the course of Will's sort of journey through this void, he gets to see the evil version of himself going through some earlier scenes in the script that Will himself went through, getting uh, the food put in front of him, uh, being treated roughly in the bath, and evil Will just kind of takes it all, right? Yeah, it definitely is kind of playing with the idea of like complacency and the bird person you mentioned earlier uh there's a lot of different meaning behind that that will and i have talked about but one of the things revealed towards the end is that it's almost like will's projection of the nurse or caretaker uh Mm. and also in a way like death in a way Mm -hmm. and kind of how they want will to be to not want to rebel or you know oh i should just 
you know, go along with this like why bother okay that makes sense because in the course of this sort of dream situation when this bird creature the bird creature kind of presents evil will in like almost a stage show and i was trying to figure out if it was like just supposed to be a form of torture or if he was trying to teach will something or you know if if he was if he was summoned by will's rage in the first place and it sounds like from what you're describing yeah he was he's trying to give him just to to give up right Essentially, yeah, that this is like the mask you should be wearing and all those like thoughts you have, they should just be in the back of your mind and you should repress them, essentially. Okay, and then Will ends up kind of getting blown apart and torn to shreds, essentially, and he like there ends up being a moment where like the ghost version of him is seeing footage of his mom and she's got these little balls of light and ends up sort of putting one into Ghost Will's third eye and that light gets shined through a prism and that prism used to be Will's heart and all that light I love this. Yeah. It sounds like you're doing slam poetry. <laughs> all that light ends up being what drives the creature away at the end, right? Yeah. So, so I mean talk about the real stuff behind those metaphors. So again to me uh Personally, I experience anxiety a lot, and I know it's hard. And if I was in Will's position, I would struggle with a lot, like sort of things being outside of your control. And when a bunch of negative stuff builds up, it's it's kind of you lose sight of like what good the world has, and you just feel like giving up. So those are kind of just. Uh, trying to visually represent like those good moments and um i guess how that in a way is the best way to fight depression is through not just like specifically family members but like a nurturing environment Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. being able to do whatever kind of art or thing that gives you joy um yeah so I just I don't I don't want to get bogged down too much in like having you explain different things in the script, but I am curious just about the ending when Will is sort of able to fight off this bird creature and he sort of reemerges and wakes up because ultimately this was sort of the result of him not being able to breathe, and he's mm-hmm. back with his mom and he's back in the house and then there's there's a knock at the door. And these like droplets start falling on him that are like black and white. And it's got it, it, it. There's a sense of doom there at the very end. And I was just sort of curious about as far as what you if there's a message in that ending that you want people to come away with. Essentially, just that, you know, I, I as satisfying as like the Hollywood ending is of it's everything lived happily ever after the end. That's not really reality. And especially in Will's situation. Yeah, he's done dealing with this caretaker for now, but, you know, there's a knock at the door and we don't really see who it is. It could be a good caretaker. It could be a bad taker, even if it's a good take caretaker. Like, they're on at least at one point every week. So it, it kind of is just talking about, like, as much as, you know, fighting back and... uh getting in that good place again is obviously helpful. Uh, it, it can be a cycle that yeah. isn't exactly avoidable past mm-hmm. a certain point. It's a, it's a constant struggle. It's something that the, the character of Will and maybe perhaps also Will in real life is always going to be struggling with. 
Yeah, exactly. And not just Will, but, you know, a lot of people just with similar disabilities or in any sort of, like, healthcare environment. Mm -hmm. Will's lucky in that he actually has, like, a job now, but a lot of uh, people with disabilities, you know, there's, like, a certain amount of money you get from the government for being disabled, but if you start making a bit of money, they give you a lot less money. And so there's kind of like this uh, thing in place that almost makes a lot of people who are disabled feel like, well, I, I shouldn't even bother getting a job because then I might end up being worse off, even though it might be the one thing that helps me actually mm -hmm. get that yeah. freedom yeah. and independence that I so desperately want. Mm -hmm. Man. Yeah. Do you guys work on a lot of stories that just explore many of the elements of being disabled? You know, we have been exactly, we, this is like our first real attempt at it. We do want to, after we look at this, make it happen. We want to do like a feature concept of this idea. We need to talk about exactly what's going to happen with that. Mm -hmm. Um, but like I say, Will's just kind of the lead actor in, or even if he's not the lead actor, he's a large part of every production I've been a part of. And so I think like, you know, subconsciously, maybe some of that sneaks in at times, but it, it, it's, it's fascinating to me how, uh, and we, we talk about this a little in our GoFundMe video, that like, Every time you get someone who's disabled in a movie or show, they usually aren't disabled in real life. And it, it's it's like almost always the same story. It's 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 kind of like people not knowing how to write for like a minority or a woman. And it's like insert sympathetic person here. <laughs> um, so I, I think like a lot of our goals with our stuff like at least in the past has been just like, Hey, this is Will. he's disabled, but it kind of doesn't matter in a way. He's like still an interesting guy, even if you take away the disability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of the things I remember you talked about in that GoFundMe video, if when you're talking about, you know, maybe somebody who's an actor, who's portraying somebody in a similar situation, it's all too, it's a little too clean and neat and tidy. And certainly in this script, there's really nothing neat and tidy about this. Yeah. This there's is, nothing neat, clean or tidy here. Yeah. This, this is, is this really is, messy and in, in a very intentional way. Yeah. Grimy. And it's, it's just, it's really in your face. Thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> how much fun is it writing something yeah, like this? Yeah, no kidding. When you get to just have, whether you're putting metaphor into it or just maybe wanting to be weird for weird's sake, because again, I really feel like some sort, I mean, it, I think you mentioned it in the video on the GoFundMe page also, the influence of, of David Lynch and if Eraserhead is Will's favorite movie, you can, you, that's the bones of this thing. You can feel it pulsing through it. Exactly. It, it definitely... It's it's kind of a mixed bag because it's it is a lot of fun to have that much creative freedom and you know to kind of go off and just not feel like you have to overly explain ideas. You can kind of kind of just like leave some stuff out there and you know if someone doesn't get it, it's okay because you kind of on to the next idea and it it maybe seeps into their subconscious. Uh, it becomes hard when again structuring like. A lot of our experimental films have been just kind of like, 
throwing stuff out there and, you know, in film festivals, when people ask me to explain it, it always takes me a while to figure out exactly what to say. Cause mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I don't really know. Sometimes it's just like, I think this would be a cool idea to do. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, especially something like this, that is a little more structured, especially in like the beginning and the end, it's hard to kind of, sit down and be like, okay, what really needs to be said here? What what out of this like metaphorical stuff is the most important and mm-hmm. what is just kind of like getting in the way of what we're trying to say. Yeah. In the way that you're kind of you're editing and shaping the imagination that's gonna be present in this as well. So that it's not just like this grab bag of of bizarre but it's very carefully curated to further the story exactly sounds like good filmmaking sometimes you don't even know until you're on set like what ideas work and what don't but it that that's definitely been and also because it's such like in a lot of ways a very depressing script it's it's hard to like after i'm working on my 10th draft of it to go back and be like uh I want to write something <laughs> funny. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Do you have writing partners other than Will on this? Um, not really. No, I've I've talked. I've shown the script to a few other people. I showed it to like a former teacher of mine at Stevenson University. Who you know, I've I've gotten feedback, but at the end of the day, it's it's Will and myself that are making mm-hmm. all the calls in terms of what gets caught maybe that idea has something or like I you know usually I I feel like there's a trap writers fall into or a lot of people just in general if advice is given either taking all of it no matter what or just not taking any of it (laughs) Mm -hmm. so I like to at least like even if it's an idea I'm like uh that's such a shit idea (laughs) I like talked it, it, it's helpful having someone like Will just to bounce an idea off of it and he can mention something about it. Like, well, I, I see what they're saying in that this, blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, cool, I wouldn't have even thought of that. Or, you know, if there's an idea, I'm like, ah, maybe he can be like, yeah, no, I don't think that's necessary. Oh, that's so <laughs> valuable. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's really helpful. It's a good way not to second guess yourself. Yeah. And if I remember also in that, the Go 5, you, know, you mentioned that he's going to be the lead actor in this. And like he, he, I think he mentioned in the video too, talking about being able to film the scenes like him in the bed with the water rising up. And you guys are going to go as practical yeah. as you can with this, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a whole new set of challenges, but also the payoff on that's huge. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited about it. And obviously right now the big thing is like, where are we getting the money? <laughs> right. Well, do you want to talk about your fundraising campaign that you guys are working on right now? Yeah. So we've had a GoFundMe campaign up, uh, I'm, I think, since like April, I want to say. We've got about $5,000. We're trying to get to $20,000. Uh, my goal is to at least have 10000 I think we can do what we need to with $10,000. Uh, but yeah, if you go on it, uh, GoFundMe is structured of 
bit differently than, say, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, where we, we do actually get all the money that's donated to us, essentially. Like, a little bit goes to GoFundMe, but it's not that, like, the Kickstarter Catch-22, where if you don't make every cent, it's just, like, taken away. Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's also GoFundMe is structured more, I think, is like, people in need or like hey this my car got ruined right but like, there are some film stuff on there but there aren't like the tabs to the side that are like if you donate this you get this reward <laughs> um so if some of these are we- really funny by the way here's one <laughs> if you donate five hundred dollars they're gonna do a food challenge have a weird recipe or disgusting food item for this price, one of us will eat whatever you suggest and film the results within reason of safety and cost. I see it looks like one of your relatives donated $500. We, we have a few. Uh, it's funny because we had I made that just like one of the rewards and I gave like two other like condition like uh, if you don't like that. You can do a video of me getting yes, egged. This can be substituted for a custom cat video or a video of one of us being egged. <laughs> yeah. We shot a video of us getting egged, and then we shot a cat video. And then my next video, I just wrote a script for the second cat video. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send that into the show. We'll have you on again. Yeah, that we can sounds talk like about a that. great screenplay. <laughs> definitely yeah no I've, I've been wanting to do something with like talking cats for a while and uh luckily while i was in la my one friend uh is trying to get into voice acting so she was kind enough to volunteer and help me oh, with, cool. with one of the cat Being voices a talking cat. was there was there ever a time it, with this story specifically was there ever a consideration of maybe telling a more traditional narrative or did you guys know right from the get-go that this sort of story and the way that you're telling it was always going to be the way that you were going to do it. Yeah. Um, I definitely think, you know, just based off of who will is like, I, I like narrative like that structure there. Will is not that person at all. So it would be like kind of disingenuous to him to try to make it's, it's mm. much as I feel like in some cases it would be easier to sell that idea. <laughs> um, it's not the kind of film Will would want to make. Kind of like we we do also want to do a documentary with this idea down the line. We've actually shot a little bit of stuff for it in the future, um, but right now this just felt like the right time and way to do this. Uh, based off of who Will is, essentially. Well, yeah, it sounds like, if nothing else, it's maybe a hybrid between the two of you, which makes sense. There is a bit of a story structure, and things are also very Lynchian and strange throughout a big block of it also. Definitely, definitely. (laughs) So if somebody is interested in being in touch with you about your fundraising campaign or about the story itself and wanting to be involved or, you know, wanting to be uh, on this production and really make this thing sing... What is the best way for them to do that? Um, I would say my email. It's just my name, Zach Seidman, Z-A-K-S-E-I-D-M-A-N at gmail.com. We also have uh, our company has uh, Instagram and a Facebook page, Unicorn Propaganda. And if you want to do the GoFundMe, essentially just type in crippled film or short filmed into GoFundMe and it'll be there or go on our Instagram or 
Facebook page and it'll also be there. Use the magic of the internet to research a little bit. That's exactly. perfect. <laughs> That's great. That's hey, great. Zach, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sending in your work and good luck with the with the fundraising and the filming. Real quick, just uh, as far as planning out filming of this, how uh, what, what's your film schedule how long do you think it's going to take you to shoot something that's this involved right um essentially it's going to depend on how much money we have fair enough fair enough i want i want to shoot something in october but depending on budgeting we might push it back to december Mm -hmm. but i i would like to ideally say we've shot something in october but definitely we will begin production by the end of this year and do it piecemeal if you have to yeah yeah, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, hey, Zach, thank you again so much for your time. Thanks for your work, and, and good luck with uh, with producing uh, Crippled going forward. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Well, there's Zach. That's such a cool story and super different than all the stuff we get. I had an, I, I, a thought occurred to me, and I know there's no way that I'm the first person to think of this, but when he was talking about how, you know, this idea of maybe just putting in something in the movie because it's cool and it doesn't necessarily play into anything that affects the narrative or has anything to do with the story right. or a metaphor or anything like that. It's funny to me how that can be seen as such a maybe radical or different thought versus in music where you could come up with like a little melody or even like a phrase that ends up being the the, the refrain the of the song right. that doesn't necessarily have to mean anything. It's just words right. that sound cool together or a string of notes that sound, it doesn't have any yeah. meaning other than that. And that it's, is kind of neat because in the way that they're telling the story, they're opening up the narrative portion of it you yeah. know there is a beginning a middle and end there's bookends there's there's story structure but they're kind of releasing it from the confines of yeah. typical storytelling and they could do crazy non-related stuff like that i guess mm-hmm. it'd be super neat to see yeah i agree frank don't you always talk about wanting to shoot a like a perfume commercial or something because you're like they do the craziest stuff oh, yeah, in those yeah. things and you can just shoot nonsense and just put cut it together and Buy this perfume. Show a bottle like, of perfume at yeah. the end, and that you're, you're a brilliant creative artist. All yep. of a sudden, that's really true. Yeah, sure. That or a pair of jeans. Yeah, just have two people making out and, and in a field. Je- yeah, it's a jean ad without any shirts on. Yeah. <laughs> Go get me started on airplane food. Uh, if, if you've written something that's a little bit strange, a little bit creative, whether you're selling perfume or whether you're telling the story of your friend having a wild dream with a bird man, uh, from one thing to the other, please, we'd love for you to write that script. And you can send it to us, and you can do that by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit. I personally would love to hear about your craziest dreams as well. So mm-hmm. if you want to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter and share those stories, you can do that by uh, checking out Script Shop Show on any of the aforementioned social media sites. I'm not as crazy about hearing about your dreams as I am about you going out of your way to listen to me tell you mine. <laughs> so if you're interested in finding me on Twitter, uh, I'm at Script Shop Jack. And I'm at your bestie, Westy. Thanks, guys, very much for listening. We really appreciate all of you, seriously, uh, whether you're listening to the show, whether you're telling anyone about it, whether you're donating to us on Patreon, all those things. It really, really matters to us. Thank you, everybody, very, very much. And until next week, friends, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West. Hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley. Produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.